Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, work, Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hope Playoff Weekend has commenced. First weekend is over. Every series has one game in the books. It was lit. As always, I'm here with my boy Kings. What's going on with you, man? And this is feeling good, man. I just died down enjoying the great weekend of the game wins, man. This was great. Yeah, I think every every game uh, went down to the wire. I don't, think there right? was a, I don't think there was a single blowout, was there? Yeah, not, not one. I'm looking. I just reviewed all the scores to make sure the closest thing was the uh, the Nets pulling away late on the Celtics, who was trying to trying to uh, hold on late, and then, and then the Blazers, Blazers kind of yeah, pulled away late. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, it wasn't like anything that was like where well, they were just down twenty, getting blitzed all game. Yeah, yeah. Those those were those were like it was close, and then they pulled away at the end. It's like misleading type scores. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So man, we got a lot. We gonna brush on everything, go deeper into a couple series that we watched a little closer than the others. Um, first, we're going to start with the uh, Lakers, Lakers and Suns. Uh, that was actually a very uh, entertaining game. Had yeah. some up and downs. Um, ended up Suns winning ninety nine and ninety. A lot going on in this game. Uh, altercations. Uh, Brown and Chris Paul got tangled up. There was questions about that play. There was a play Anthony Davis, obviously. The, uh, the 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 drumming minutes were a hot topic per usual. Um, just in general, Kings, what did you think about that game? And what was the story you took uh, going into it? Uh, man, story going into it was, uh, you know, we wanted to see if we were gonna get, you know, um, you know, drumming on the short leash, obviously. But also, there were some comments by uh, uh, there were some comments made by. AD <laughs> said that he didn't need to um, that he didn't need to prove himself anymore based off what has he's accomplished. Uh, how you know based on how you can take that, you might have felt like he would. He, you know that was a weird thing for him to say, but um, for him to say that, make that type of statement, and then to play the game that he played is kind of like you know very questionable. 
Yeah, that was uh, yeah. that was wild. Yeah, you, you know, AD like we expected that he would be, you know, the the ultimate uh, mismatch for the Suns, right? We did not expect you know anyone on the Suns to be able to cover AD. He just got dominated by DeAndre Ayton, like both ends of the floor in the rebounding column. That's where the game was lost. Uh, you know, if AD just has, like, a regular game, I think the Lakers probably pull out, a, you know, a squeak out a win. But AD getting dominated by DeAndre Aiden, you know, all things aside, even with the Drummond stuff situation, the lack of Gasol, if AD doesn't get dominated, the Lakers probably win the game. Yeah, because when I, I, I was thinking about that, I was like, there's something to say about that offensively, but defensively, Drummond shouldn't affect AD's motor. Like, that's where the frustration right. was. I remember just late, the Lakers are making a push. I think Aiden gets two back-to-backs, and just AD is just standing right next to him watching him rebound while the Lakers are trying to make a run late. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's playoff time. What are we What are we doing here? So, like, that that was frustrating to see. He just His disposition for a playoff game wasn't quite – um, where you expected it to be for a guy, a team that was a seven seed, and the guy who talked about trying to have to steal, you know, game one in Phoenix. So that, that it was just just a weird game for him. I think he finished with the thirteen and five, which is not nowhere near the level of play we expect. But it was just a lack of aggression in general that was disappointing throughout the game. They're thirteen and seven. Excuse me, got a couple boys like thirteen and seven, mm-hmm. uh, one foul, three blocks, two assists. Um, minus 18, if you can uh, believe that, worst of all the starters. So, AD just has to be better. I think we all agree on that. Now, off AD, he's, he took the blame for it, said I have to be better. It's all my fault, rightfully so, as a superstar player should. Um, moving on, now there was some frustration with the heavy use of Drummond. Drummond ended up playing uh, 20 minutes. Plus five, right. five of seven, 12 points, nine rebounds. Um, but, again, with him, it's, it's very misleading. I don't want to use the term empty numbers, but, dude, it's just the defensive mistakes, the, you know, you count how many rebounds are actually off his own misses. Right. So that, that, <laughs> that puts the rebounding down. So what did you see from Drummond and how Phoenix was able to kind of exploit him out there? And what do you want to see or not see from him, you know, going forward? Uh man, he, I mean, the the drop coverage was just a terrible decision with him. He's to, for you to play drop coverage with NBA bigs, you're already conceding that your big isn't mobile enough to switch. So at that point, you're relying on a size and positioning and IQ. Because as a big, you already know you're you know you already know you're challenged uh, athletically. So you have to use your smarts to anticipate, to disrupt. That is completely what Drummond is terrible at. Um, he is not good at, you know, playing, you know, high IQ defensive basketball. Um, and, and he just got torched and, you know, Vogel just kept sticking with it. Even though he kept getting torched, Vogel kept sticking with it. And, um, you know, Drummond – I, th- I think that Tony was putting saying that on your spaces. He's the type of big he has to play spurts, man. Like he needs to play JaVel McGee type minutes at most, 
six minutes in the first, six minutes in the third, and that's really only to for you to uh, to set the tone physically to kind of get some type of wear down shots in or maybe, you know, use up some fouls from Drummond, try and see if you get some second chance buckets to shake off rust from your guys. Like, that's really the only time Drummond should be in. He should not be getting no type of run in the second quarter, you know what I mean, when you're trying to come back from from being down. Like, man, it's 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 really bad what they're doing to Dennis right now. Like, <laughs> the, the, lineups, the lineups he's with, the lineups he's with. <laughs> the lineups he's with is just very bad. I, I'm actually, I was actually shocked he ended up with the second most points on the team tonight. He was our second leading scorer. Uh, that was, I mean, there was one layup. He literally had to finish over two. He had to finish over eight and his own defender because Drummond was in the game. Like, it's, it's the Drummond just, it's not the fact that, you know, obviously AD plays worse when Drummond's in there. But Drummond literally handicaps our three best guys. LeBron, our three best scorers, LeBron, AD, and Dennis, all require uh, uh, driving lanes to set themselves up, to set up their, their jumpers, set up their, their counters, and their go-to moves. And Drummond just clogs up all of that. Like, it, uh, there's nothing I can say, bro. <laughs> If they want to win this series, if they want to go to the finals, they have to fix that problem. Like, it's just nothing else to me to be saying. Yeah, I remember you, they were saying, everybody was tweeting about basically how essentially it was a, the series was a foregone conclusion. I remember in the midst of all that, you said, you know, these Phoenix boys aren't anything to mess with. You can't play around with the German situation. Yeah. Uh, I think me and you are on the same page that, you know, this is not last year's Portland team that's historically bad defensively. This mm-hmm. is not. Uh, last year's mm-hmm. Rockets team that is dependent on one guy who can't play without the basketball or one play without the basketball. Like, like Look, you, you saw what they did to, to book. They they double team book the same way they did Harden, but the book stopped when he when he when he gave up the rock. That, that, that was my that was my following point exactly. He kept he stayed he, on the move. Stayed on the move. Kept relocating. They kept passing the ball around. They got good looks, and they, and then the aim was battling down there inside. Like they were all engaged, all energized because they all kept fighting. They were all playing fast. Uh, you know, like Tony and them were saying in the spaces, they were all playing fast. So it's like they're not sitting down, you know, playing a slow game where you can easily game plan. They're on the move. So you as a team, you got to be on the move when you play, you know, when you play Phoenix. Yeah, I just a couple things I noticed from, from Monty, um, one from a schematic standpoint, I think he understands how good the Lakers are in half-court defense. So he's yeah. making it a point, if it, any type of miss, I was like, we're out. Like, go yeah. out, <laughs> get to the cup, take the first penetrating kick, wide open three. If you got it, <laughs> let it fly. He's, he's testing their motor. Exactly. He's saying, that, he's saying that I want – look, he's saying I know how Brian and them likes to, likes to slow it down, likes to control the pace. I want to see if they're, if they're going to sell out, you know, all, all game. I want to see if the, all these guys are going to sell out and, and run with us, you know, if, if, if capable. Yeah, and, think, yeah. and 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 they didn't because a lot of schematic reasons why they weren't able to. Um, I was we, I, we were part of the group that said you know um, Trez shouldn't play. The best lineups had Trez in them, but the reason that was the case was two things. One, Brown was in the four of a lot of those lineups that were that were successful with Trez, so they were small. And two, Trez played with high motor and energy. Like we said, 
you have to do that against Phoenix because they're going right. to run. They're going to keep moving. Trez kept moving. He kept battling. He wasn't – he's not big, but he was getting some offensive board, getting some disruptions because the Lakers were small and everyone on the court with Trez was moving, battling, switching, trying to attack. That's how you got to play. You can't do that too big, slow, you know, oh, we're just going to use the size and, and, and get on get on because – Size only works if the other team is 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 like physically is physically weak. It's like physically not strong. Like De- Andre Ayton's a strong dude. Crowder's a strong you know strong dude. They're not gonna just get bullied. And the crazy you know part I mean? is, uh, Ayton can move too. Like the way he runs yeah, the floor, like move. that was he he had one. I was like, dude, it, it reminded me of like. And this is the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying, like, in that moment, the way he ran the floor, I was like, that looks like David Robinson back in the day. Seven-foot, 250-pound dude who running up the floor like he's a 6'6 wing. I was like, this is nuts. So, like, I, um, that that was amazing to see. The last thing I'm going to talk to you about, Monty, keep in mind he coached AD. Like, a lot, yes. a lot I, I forgot, yes, like, that did. was an issue. So That's a great point you just brought up right yes, now. When you hear the way he's talking to – Aiden about how to defend him, like he's telling him, like you just let him take the jumpers, let him take. Like if you hear, you hear, Aiden with Aiden's regards, like yeah, I'm just, I'm giving. He can have that all day. He's had it all day. I'm not gonna let him drive. Like he's him and Monty are talking about this. And then the big thing, the big thing about the, um, the big thing that was the issue was, was AD shooting from the bubble gonna stick? Right. That was the whole one of the big sticking points. Was that gonna stick in this in this year's playoffs? And just judging by how Monty has to defend, has defended him, this is only game one. Series is a game of a series of adjustments that like goes back and forth. But it sounds like they're going to be content. Like if he wants to take contested jumpers over a seven footer's arm, like Monty's like, I'm gonna live with that. If he scores, gives me thirty doing that, I'm just gonna shake his hand. But he's not getting the rim. So how do you feel about like that Monty deciding to play that way despite what AD did last playoffs? Man, look, hey, look, look, y'all, if, you know. Maple just said Monty is telling Aiden he wants AD to take those jumpers. If that's what Monty is telling DeAndre Aiden, look, I don't know, I don't know who else is spying on what they're saying, but they need to go tell Vogel right now. Do not trot out Andre Drummond onto that floor <laughs> because at this point, that 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 just lets me know they are smiling. They are smiling every time Andre Drummond is on the court. If that's what he's telling DeAndre and he is smiling every time the uh, drum is on the floor because that means there is no driving lanes for AD. And he's going to take that jumper. And that's what they want him to do. Because... Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just curious. Like, if you hear – because remember, DeAndre Aiden, I don't know how well, – a lot of people don't have a volume on when they go somewhere and watch the right. game. But, you know, my volume is on this game, and DeAndre Aiden was mic'd up. And then he's talking to him during the game. He's like, well, he can yeah. have that. You know what I'm saying? He can have that. Like, he's just going to have to make that. And he's talking to um, to Monty like that. And then after the game, you know, you hear people who, you know, interview or tweet about the Suns post-game interview. Like, their strategy is let not let, but just put force AD. Like, their, their lesser two evils is make AD take contested jump shots. Like, that's, that is the Suns' game plan in this series. So, how, how should AD – how do you want the AD and the Lakers to respond to that? They're counting to that. We've been saying it, man. <laughs> play the song, play AD at the five. You gotta go downhill. You gotta go downhill. What's the what's what has been the main critique on DeAndre? Okay, now we talk. We we heard 
Monty talked about AD's weaknesses, what he wants from AD. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. What's DeAndre Ayton's main not? Consistency. We right. don't know if his motor is always able to keep him being aggressive and guys are going downhill, attacking him, attacking him, and will he give the consistent effort at all, all times? That's been the one major knock on him. So how can you challenge that? You have to attack him. You got to use Schroeder speed. You got to use LeBron. And you got to use AD. And you got to spam and attack DeAndre Ayton as much as possible. A, it might get him in foul trouble. B, it will wear him down. If you're playing Andre Jamie, you're bailing DeAndre Ayton out. Because now he can just leave that dude. And he can help whoever the four is, and just help and, and help double team AD. I thought what was interesting was the, just really the lack of respect or the trade off that Monty was willing to take. Is even with Drummond in there, he would put eight and they twist this later in the game. But it was off and on, but sometimes they would have Crowder guarding Drummond. Yeah, eight and I was like that. I was like that is wild for them to take that gamble or risk that trade off on the glass just to make sure. You know, AD can't get to the rim. That's crazy. But what was what was, what was the logic? Was that it don't matter if you get the ball. He's not finishing. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a coach who made the scouting point. Like, he's not going to finish. He's not going to finish consistent enough to where we're going to get hurt. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm interested to see how those gentlemen minutes work out. Last year, Frank was really good about game-to-game adjustments in the playoffs and changing uh, what they do. Um Last thing before you move on to the next year, how LeBron, obviously, I, I, I'm, me personally, I was torn in between, okay, is this his normal fill-out game one thing? And B, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm saying he's not going to be 100% until next season with the ankle. So I'm, I'm, th- I'm guessing it's a little bit of both that played into his game one performance. Uh, 6 to 13, 18, 10, 18 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. Um, the number that worried me was the five turnovers. The Lakers did win his minutes, 36 minutes he played. They were plus two. You no, know, they were better when he obviously always good when he's on the floor. Um, yep. what, what, what did you see from uh, LeBron from a from a aggression or feel-out standpoint? Well, you know, clearly not having driving lanes with Andre Drummond affected his aggression. So, <laughs> you know, that was number one. It's but a theme here, two, folks. It's a theme here, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah, but, no, number, number two, number two, you know, it was – at the end of the day, it was LeBron – he was trying to get a feel for how the Phoenix wanted to defend Phoenix, wanted, how he wants to attack Phoenix. You know what's going to be there for him, with, you know, with his with his team. You know wh- where his guys are able to attack and get the you know the mismatches and the advantages. So that's you know, ultimately, I was not concerned about LeBron at all because from a schematic standpoint, uh, Vold didn't put at the, in the best position to succeed all the time. When they did, right, with Trez at the five and him at the four, and Trez not even the most ideal five, when they did, right, you saw how it looked, right? Looked great. We made runs. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, you know, LeBron's going to do what LeBron does. 
as long as you put the right lines around him, that's going to succeed. And he's and he looks physically good enough to be able to 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 you know run the offense to get guys to get good looks. So honestly, like I tweeted, I'm not concerned about LeBron. Um, I didn't see nothing from LeBron, honestly, that warned me to be concerned about. I just think it was really just a schematic uh, issue. I think the coaching was bad. I think AD was bad, and it, it really those were the main two main bad things for why you know what happened. What what had gone on on the court went on. If those two things change, it's a whole different ballgame. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. And on the tip of this, like we've been giving the Lakers a lot of flack, but we do, especially Kings, we all we both have been high on the Suns all season, so we do want to give yeah. credit. They they for sure absolutely played uh for Devin Booker's first playoff game against the defending champs, he was incredible. Um I think it's before this series, one of the one things I was worried about is the the only thing the Lakers the only the one thing on the Lakers defense is they kind of see the in between game and that's kind of where Booker is extremely effective. And he kinda had a field day with that early, and I think that got I him think, in a rhythm. I mean, I think the only defender who doesn't is, is Dennis, right? I think right, he's right, the right, only right, one right. Who, who tries to really stick on guys, you know, at all times, and uh, you know, I, I remember I said in the fourth quarter when uh, uh, Booker was lighting everyone else up, I said, hey, man, we need to go Dennis on. They put Dennis on him, and then he tried to do, he tried backing down, couldn't get position, and shot up a, a brick. Not saying that Dennis isn't going to shut him down, but, you know, that's we had this conversation, I think, on our last podcast when I talked about defense. Yeah. I said, Hoopers, it's the difference between analytics, judge defense, and how Hoopers see defense because analytics, they value the team defense. They value the concepts of, you know, winning possessions, getting more possessions for offense. Hoopers is like, can you guard me without help? Can you guard me on the island? Can you can you stick me even with my counters? And you and you saw it, man, when, when, when we had to put uh, – you know, when Caruso and KCP was on that island with Book, boy, man, ooh. I mean, KCP didn't didn't surprise me. Like guys who are a little more physical in their scoring ability, they give they give KCP trouble. Like the guys oh, who kind of yeah. they'll put a shoulder into you to create space. Like he struggles with physical scores, and Book is like yeah. a physical. Like he light skin, but he physical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then, the, uh, the, the I was surprised on, like, when when I know Book was feeling it is when he was calling for the switch to get Caruso on him. Like, yes, Caruso was the, top shelf. I was like, that is wild. He's he is in his zone right now. He's feeling the like moves that. he was putting on Caruso was crazy. I was like, man, and you know Caruso's not no slouch on the on ball. You know he's a very solid on ball defender. So, but he wanted that ISO. He was going at it. So, I know what I said. One of my news was like, they not have to put dance on. I was like, I agree, but then that might open up Chris Paul. So I don't know. I'll see. We'll see what what Frank does on there because. You don't want a double team book because that's getting 
you know, Cam, that's getting all these other guys open looks. And the way the, the, the Suns run offense, they're way more equipped to handle double than the Rockets. That double teaming book's not going to give you the same results as, the, you know, double teaming Harden. Right. A, he's a underrated passer out of all that stuff, which I noticed today. That was He was impressed me with the passing. B, he doesn't stand still, which is also very good for him. Um, last thing that probably looms larger this series is Chris Paul's health. I think he, if he's um, compromised in any way, I think that probably makes you more comfortable putting Dennis on a uh, book. Yeah. Cause Chris Paul's not the same scoring threat. So I think I wonder what we'll see there. But I'm interested to see how this uh, – how does game two will go, man? Game two is going to be – when is game two? Is that Tuesday or Wednesday? Game two is going to be Tuesday, 7 p.m. So that will be fun to watch, man. That will be fun to watch. Uh, moving on, staying in the greater uh, L.A. area. Game one, uh, Clippers and Mavericks repeat of last year's first round. Um Luka to die, man. Incredible. Knocked the Clippers off by 10. Luka 31, 10, and 11. <laughs> Finney Smith, 18. Porzingis, 14. Tim Hardaway Jr., 21. Brunson, 15 off the bench. Here's my thing, Kings. Why I'm nervous for the Clippers is, mm-hmm. like, Paul George started off bad, but he wasn't terrible in the second half. Like, he had a good second half. The thing for me is they can't do anything with Luka. Oh. And that bodes badly for the series. And I think the best point I saw from this was um, L.A. Clippers film. He's like, you just got to make a decision. If you're, are you going to, you know, you want Luka to score 30 or have the 15, 10, 15 assists? You can't let him have both. So if you're going to fight over screens and play him one-on-one, make him a score, do that. But don't, you know, mix it up and – give them opportunities to slice you up and finish with the the, the triple-doubles because that gets everybody else involved, as I said. Danny Smith, four for five from three. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., five for nine from three. Those guys combined for 39 points. So that, that's that's honestly where they lost the game to me, like you're letting those guys blow up. So what what did you see in that game? Yeah, man, this – <laughs> the Clippers are in trouble, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know what they can schematically do. Um, man, the the problem is the problem is Pat Beverly's ball pressure defense does nothing against Luca. Uh, completely unfazed. Completely unfazed. And that's been the and that's been a theme all year. I mean, you saw when remember when Luca played the Lakers and they got they got whooped. Right, you saw Dennis and Caruso was was especially Dennis. He was in his shirt, sticking him, moving moving his feet. And then the next game, remember when they beat the Clippers by God knows how much? It was like what fifty or forty, and early in the season. And you know, it's like Bev, Pat Bev cannot put the ball pressure on Luca the way the Lakers guards the past two seasons, Bradley Caruso and, and Dennis have. And the Clippers do not have the backline defenders to 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 bother Luke at the rim. Um, so you it really comes down to they have to stay in front and be able to guard him in his myriad of counters or trap him. And it's trapping and doubling him is, I mean, that's one of the best top five passers in the NBA. 
it's just man, it's it's problems for the Clippers. Um, and it's be look as the way I see it for them to win this series, PG is gonna have to be their best offensive threat, and Kawhi is just gonna have to take Luke out the series defensively. Yeah, like and that's this, that's what it has to be. In the interview, it was Kawhi noted that he will be guarding Luca a little bit more. Like so, Kawhi did hint at that that was possibly going to have to come. I think you're right. That's that's and Kylo yeah. hinted at it too. I think they and I think they know that. Hey, look, PG Rondo Ibaka, y'all going to have to do what we got y'all to do offensively. Because <laughs> look, bro, we going to ask Kawhi. To, to 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 get to turn the clock back to 2017 and do what he does best or what he was known for in this league, y'all gonna have to to score. PG, you average 25 plus, and you know you can shoot, you have a handle, you gotta be able to score on on Finley Smith and, and Josh Richardson. I'm sorry, you are gonna have to find a way to get some buckets, bro. Ibaka, <laughs> we paid you to hit threes when you're open. You are gonna have to hit threes. Rondo, it's time for playoff Rondo. We need you to set dudes up because Kawhi, look, if y'all asking for Kawhi to, to to average 30 and lock up Luka, that's not happening. He's going to give you 20 to 24, and he's going to try and play lead defense. They need 25. They need 25 to 30 from PG. They need 15 from Ibaka. They need 10 from Rondo, and they need eight-plus eight assists from Rondo. That's a, that's the only way I see them win because they just don't match up well with Dallas in any other way because Beverly can't guard Luka. They're lucky KP was just breaking and they were getting away with just hacking him because they can't they don't really have a matchup to guard KP either. I mean I think Ibaka was doing better this year at least than than Harold was last year so I think we have that at the least. But I mean Zubak for whatever he's not good enough to go out in space and guard KP from the, the three point line standing. So yeah, I think just. Possibly was an overreaction too, because Luca got that switch. He just hit a couple of thirty footers, and I think the Clippers just kind of overreacted and shifted it to doubling him. But then it became a passing clinic, and then THJ and Finney Smith was just cash money from three all all day because it was wide open. Luca was just finding him. He's a he's six eight. He's probably as far as controlling the tempo on the possession. The only guy better to him to me at that is LeBron. Other than that, I think he controls the tempo of offensive possession as far as seeing what you're doing defensively. I don't know if there's another guy better than him at that aside from LeBron. I, I, I'll say um, I'll say two other ones: uh, Chris Paul, Harden, hard possibly Harden, Harden, yeah, Harden. I, I, I think I think those I think Harden and Luca around the same when it comes to con- being able to control the game uh, offensively right now. But uh, you get the point though; those that's that's rarefied air. Um, if you're if you're trying to you know double those guys, they will make the right read. And I think Luca, unlike Harden. Luca does have, you know, try to relocate more when he gets doubled. You know, he's Luca's the one thing with Luca, he, he tries to find ways to score in any t- in any way possible. You know what I'm saying? So, right. it, man, the Clippers are in trouble, man. <laughs> they, they, they need Kawhi to turn back the clock, and they need Paul George to be their best scorer. Like. That's the avenue. I'll say this, man. If, if the Clippers make it out of this series, y'all should be concerned because that would mean that they dug deep and, and they did a gut check, and they're a different team from last year. Because right, I agree. It's gonna take a lot. It's gonna take a lot of gut checks for these guys to get out this series. All right. Last one. We're gonna do a super deep dive into. Um, there's big, big uh, discussion. This one about 
you know, the ghosts of the past or whatever, but we do want to dig into the, the Heat and Bucks. Um, very good Man. game one. Uh, it was just a, a lot going on. Um, we'll, we'll dig into this. Ultimately, the Bucks came through late. Chris Middleton hits a big mid-range late to give them the win. Uh, they went 109-107 in OT. Um, I'll let you start because I got I got a lot to get off, man. I, I, this it's weird because there's some good things to take away and some things like okay, I'm nervous for that going further in the series. So I'll let you go with this one. What do you see in Heat and Bucks? Man. Giannis, bro. <laughs> That's where I was going. <laughs> Giannis, bro. Man. At least, I can say it's at least Middleton continued where he left off last playoffs. Remember, he did get, he did have, I, I told people too, I told people last year, I was like, Middleton was low-key the best Bucks against the Heat last year, and then he got them that win when Giannis out, and then today, to the, you know, this year he came back with a win. Uh, he, you know, Drew Holiday is also a big time player. I mean, that's a positive for them. It's it's positive for the Bucks that Giannis struggled, and they were still able to win this game. They lose this last year, hundred percent. They lose this last year, hundred percent. Drew Holiday and Middleton did what they got them to do, and that's what something Bucks fans should be very happy about. But Giannis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You made you made you made Trev look like a prophet, man. You made Trev and Nathan look like a prophet, bro. Because I was watching that. I don't care what a lot of people. I have mutuals with who Bucks fans. They went back watching games like y'all overreacting. Look, I don't care what they were saying about that overreacting stuff. I watched that fourth quarter, bro. I dude, know what I saw. Dude. I know what I saw. I, I couldn't believe what I, I. I mean, I could believe it, but it was like this is really happening. No, this is really happy. A, a free throw violation, really? <laughs> oh my! I was I was hot. The refs called. I was hot. The refs called that, and then and then I saw. But you, and then you got guys today who took more than ten seconds of the line. They, they got to be consistent with that if they're gonna do it. I'll say that. But just the whole fourth quarter, man. Oh. The, the the missed shots, the free throws in general. He's not a good free throw shooter, and he was dribbling the ball like come found me. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Six, oh, six of thirteen from the line. Whew. Oh for three from three. Five turnovers to five assists. I mean, he's a monster on the glass and scoring close. That's that's what he does. But he, he was fine for rebounds. I appreciate he, that. He's 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 got to be better, man. I just I remember just the 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 sequence that made me like because you know I'm Giannis is either fifty fifty. You on one side of Giannis or you not. You think he's that guy or you don't think he's that guy. I think he right. is that guy, but there's a sequence where that man missed a gang of those free throws, couldn't make a shot late, and then an OT matched up on ISO with Jimmy a chance to win the game with a stop, just and a blow by blow by layup. I was oh, like, oh my god! Bro. I was like, Giannis, you are destroying the narrative right now. Okay, it's hard to defend you at this point. Think, oh my God! He got it, it was bad. It was bad. It was the like I said. You got to give uh, kudos to the Bucks front office though, man, because getting Drew Holiday might have saved their bacon this series because he oh, made man, huge that... plays late on both ends that Drew that Drew that Eric Bledsoe just wouldn't make. So 
kudos to the Bucks front office. Drew Holiday was amazing. He got that steal and a layup late. He blocked Jimmy's game winner or to, in uh, OT to, to seal the game. Great defense to seal the game. Exactly. It's a bunch of high IQ plays that you just normally haven't been getting from the guards. Very poised. I mean, he he, he was finishing in traffic at, at, off these steals. Right. He was not by the contest, man. Just very poised, very professional game from Drew Holiday. I mean, that's just what he's known for in this league. So right. That was big for him. On Miami side, uh, you know they were the they they were like the sexy pick to get an upset here. It's only game one, like that. Just they're they're on the road. What did you see from there? Because you know you got a good Duncan Robinson game. I, that's what, I was not in love with the way the Bucks defended the, the, that heavy drop against the Heat DHO action. Uh, Robinson, Duncan Robinson got off thirteen threes because of that. They're gonna have to adjust that at some point. But uh, Jimmy goes four for twenty two. Bam is four for fifteen. So, what do you see from Miami on Miami's side? What do they have to do going forward? Miami, man. It's a struggle mm-hmm. offense. They just they can't score consistently. I think I think the I think they put it out there the most in the media. The own players did. I mean, it's going to be Bam's going to have to step up. Bam's going to have to step up, and he's going to have to score for him. Um, he's going to have to give him twenty to twenty four a night. Um, he had nine on four for twelve. You can't, re- you can't four rely 15, on Jimmy. Four, four for fifteen. Excuse me. Right, you, you can't rely on Jimmy this year because Drew Holiday's here. Um, oh, you yes. Know, yes. You know, do Jimmy can't get those, you know, hunts on Bledsoe who's smaller. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and feast on him to get going because Drew Holiday's here. They gonna they gonna match him up with Drew, and you know. But it's actually going to play Drew and, and feel confident putting Drew on him. Um, Bobby Portis is also a, 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 a big that they did have this year that they didn't have last year, who's who's also going to be good off the bench. You know, Jimmy's not going to be able to get going on those bench bigs because he's not going to be able to hunt. You can't hunt Portis like he was hunting Ilya Silva or whoever, whoever it was last year. You know what I'm saying? So it's the Bucks are more equipped to stop Jimmy Butler this year, as you can see. So, whew, you need Bam, and Dragic was pleading. <laughs> Dragic was basically pleading in the interviews, you know, basically saying we need Bam to to be aggressive. We need him to get going. <laughs> like, this also where I got him credit for for all the stuff we give uh, Brook Lopez. He played actually a good game. I think it started off rough with yeah. the defense, but he ended up like as far as a, uh, a rim protection standpoint and rebounding. I got to give Brooks some credit. He played a, a really good game. You, you, you know what? Let's let's go on that because you're right. I killed Brook Lopez, but you know what? They were getting stops with Brook Lopez. Uh, he, he was playing himself in position. Um, that that might be a bad thing going forward because it might trick man you know, coach. <laughs> but at least I can say he was a, he was a positive player. Towards the game, I don't think I was. I don't think I had much complaints on uh, at Brook Lopez towards the end of the game. It was more so Giannis. What are you doing? Than yeah. It was Brook Lopez complaints. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, game two of that series actually tomorrow. First game four o'clock. That should be really fun watching. Uh, Spo try to adjust. He's a good game to game adjuster. Um, other games from Saturday. Uh, real quick, we had Celtics. In Nets, I think we both agree that the, the Celtics just didn't have um, much 
for the Brooklyn with with Jalen Brown out. This is just mm-hmm. not um not a fair fight essentially. For me though, when I watched this game, they were in it. They just got uh like their role players play well. They just got really bad games from bad shooting games from uh, Tatum and Kemba. Well, they could have gotten made it interesting late. So that was interesting to see. But I just I don't know if those role players can play as well again and get a good game from Tatum and uh and um, Kemba. I don't expect much from Kemba at this stage in his career. He's you know, 30, he's slowed down a little bit, not the same burst, but maybe Tatum gets hot and gives you a 40 ball, possibly steals one. I will say uh, KD historically has defended Tatum very well uh, with his right. game. So I'm interested to see how that goes going forward in the series. So anything you want to tap on in that series real quick? Yeah, I mean, I've said this even when they were fully healthy. I was saying that that it was going to be a bad matchup for the Seas. Um, you just can't score. Without, <laughs> without Jalen Brown, it's even worse. They're not going to be able to score enough. I'll give the credit to to, to uh, Robert Williams and to the rest of the role guys. They battled their butts off, try to give their stars a, a chance to take to take one on the road. But, you know, Jason Tatum, you're your boy, but uh, – you know, KD been doing it the, the right. longer. Right, essentially what it comes down to. This is KD what KD been does. Long and, uh, what you what you trying to do, KD already done did. So, and he know how to defend, or he you know, KD knows what guys like Jason Tatum want to do. And he I, has I think I think that's what it is. That's exactly a great way to put it. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And he has the length and the foot speed to be able to physically match those type of guys. So, KD's a very interesting defender. Uh, Really, honestly, the KD mainly struggles with um, KD really struggles with quick twitch speed guys, or you have to be just bigger than. Like, if you're just if you're another guard, if you're another wing, or you're another scorer who's like who, who you know who plays off length, you know what I'm saying, and plays off trying to get create space in the mid range. Like, KD does well defending those type of players because. You know, he has good foot speed, he has great length. So if you can't, you know, wear him down in the paint or if you're not a quick twitch guy to shake him off and test his foot speed, you know, going to the rim or like Curry did, you know, shake him off at outside perimeter, he does a great job just, just staying on guys, you know, staying on guys like Kawhi, staying on guys like Tatum. He does a great job staying on Like He's a very – he's an underrated defender. He's – I think he's underrated because he's not as good as he as we expect him to be because of those weaknesses I just outlined. But he's still a good defender, so right, very cerebral. I get he's very yeah. cerebral. So they deal with that series will be coming up soon. Um, last one of the night, um, or last one from Saturday anyway. Uh, Trailblazers Nuggets. Um, Jokic Joker did all he did. I I think we got to give Terry Stotts some credit here because you know Blazers have a terrible defense. Right, but he made a decision. I think was probably smart. That I'm yes, he, he he did what I've been saying. <laughs> I, I swear to I swear to God, I've been saying this. I tell stop doubling jokes, yeah. man. He said before the before the series, um, he's decided that he's just going to let Jokic score and let Nurkic Jokic do the best job he can. And yes, uh, Jokic had one assist, career playoff low. Um, Brilliant by Stotts, in my opinion, especially with the injuries they have. There's the guard plays is not there to to you know counteract that. So yep. 
Denver's off like the uh, Blazers defense isn't great, but without Jokic creating for other guys, they're going to hit walls at some point. And I think that's the bet. That's the gamble that Terry Stotts played, and it worked out great. You got a Dame flurry in the third quarter to open the game up, and one zero. That was a wrap. So, how how'd you feel about what you know what what Portland did? I mean, like like uh, coach the coach Stotts did, and, and you know, and you can do this when you have guy like Dame. You know, you have guys like, or you know, in Brooklyn's case, you have a KD. You have, or or even in the the Warriors' case, you have a guy like Steph. Make Jokic have to score fifty. Right. <laughs> Say, hey, Jokic, can you outscore our guy? <laughs> like, like basically, that's what I said. Like, Jokic, you're gonna have to outscore Dame, and, and he couldn't because Dame's a better scorer. So it's like that's like teams. You're playing to Jokic's hands when you're trying to defend him and stop him from scoring. You don't want to score like that. That's the crazy yeah, part. You don't want to. That's the thing with, I told people. Jokic doesn't want to score. He's like he has like a LeBron approach to scoring in, in terms of that he'll try to invite the double so that he can get easier looks for everyone else. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's a reason why people stopped doubling LeBron a long time ago for the most part because they understand that that's just a death sentence. And I think we're finally going to start seeing going forward, we're finally going to start seeing more coaches employ this, especially if the Blazers have good success. I think we're going to start seeing this people take this approach with Jokic too. You're going to see the approach of people are going to be like, you know what, Jokic will send the help late to make you make a quick read. Or to make it tougher, you got the rim, but we're not going to double you no more. Yeah, I you think we're going to make we're going to make you have to beat us. You scoring to the scoring over the help or making a last minute read, but we're not going to make it easy on you. I think you're going to see a lot more of that if the Blazers have success and they win the series like I expect them to, but they win in a better fashion than I thought because of this game plan. You're going to see a lot more of that on Jokic going forward, especially now that he's an MVP. You're going to see a lot more of that like, teams playing the Nuggets going forward. Yeah, I'm interested. I, I was trying to figure out because you know I want to be respectful to Jokic. I was trying to figure out how they steal one or two this year. I originally said you know Portland in, in in six. It's just when you watch the discrepancy in the guard play because of the injuries. Like when Jokic sits, it was a massacre. <laughs> like they, he couldn't even get a blow like that. It's just, it's just they can't. They couldn't get a good shot. So it's just there's mm-hmm. nobody who has gravity like that. To, and MPJ right now, like. He is a straight line driver, but he's more of a spot up guy at this point in his career. I think he has the the potential to develop into somebody you can give it to and say, get us a bucket. But right now, he's mostly a spot up guy, so it's not going to work how they want it to. But they just mm-hmm. those guys against um, like this is the guards that Portland has too. We just they can just they all can score at different levels, but they all have off the dribble wiggle, which is whether it's the elite guys like Dame and CJ mm-hmm. or the secondary guys like Norman. In Anthony, like they can, they still can get busy off the dribble. So, man, I hope Jokic don't go out nasty in a sweep or five gamer, end up like Dirk with the suit on taking the uh, MVP award. But oh man, <laughs> man, it, a lot of, it, a lot of playoffs it, still going. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because the Stats is using that strategy. I've been calling for somebody to do that, so I'm going to be very intrigued, man, because I've been calling for that. I, I It baffles me with how good Jokic is as a passion, how tall he is, that teams just outright try to double this guy. Like, right. I've been calling for people to play him straight up and, and see what he can do as a scorer to try to carry a team. So 
man, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Right. There's a lot of interesting schemes, a lot of interesting strategies from the underdogs this weekend. I, I'm loving it, man. I, I, I was loving what the, what the you know, the lower seeds were doing. They, they were not backing down this weekend. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that first game, first game of this morning, uh, Washington at Philly. Washington actually hung tough pretty much all throughout the game. Uh, got Embiid in foul trouble early. Um, but eventually the, the, the talent and experience is worn out. Got a lot of guys who hadn't played playoff ball before outside of Westbrook and, and, and Beal. Um, and B was money down the stretch, man. Uh, late, hitting a bunch of in-between shots. He finished with 30 and 6, but only 30 minutes fighting this one foul trouble. Uh, Simmons only scored 6 points, but he did get his Draymond on. 15 boards, 15 assists. Um, yeah, and B and Simmons were plus 20 and plus 18 apiece. They were rough, man. Curry had 15. And then uh, George Hill, I think was I think was a key pickup for him eleven. But Tobias Harris pretty much carried while Embiid was in foul trouble. He finished with thirty seven and six. So they just had no answer. I think all season the Wizards haven't been a great defense. So it just pretty much showed whatever look the Sixers wanted, they got. It's just a matter of how focused Philly's going to be to, you know, close out the Wizards in four or five. Maybe Beal or Westbrook steal you one, but. It's just the the talent discrepancy just really showed, especially the the depth. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Anything for anything for the Wizards? Yeah, I mean it's you know, it's a no, like, matchup. Man. I like watching Rui. Rui is fun. Like Rui, I think Rui, Rui has something. So I've, I, been, I, a Rui, I've been a I've been a Rui fan since the draft, man. I like that guy. I think he's going to be a good player. He has a very fun and aesthetically pleasing game. Um, I like him, man. I think he's going to be good. Uh, Washington's actually a fun team. Um, you know, I think I think they're going to make this fun. I think um, I think this will be a lot more hearted for for Philly than it is unless, you know, unless MB starts deciding that he's going to average 40 every game because Washington has no front court that can guard him and they don't. Um, if, you know, if MB's going to struggle, um, Ben Simmons is not – gonna put the Wizards away. So it'll be a lot more tougher than it needs to be. But if MB decides to be his MVP self, this this series should be up. It should be over in five games. Yeah, one quick one quick breeze. Like all, I have a friend who's a one guy no one Wizards fan, uh, my boy Connor. All season I hear him talking about how Daniel Gafford, ever since the trader or whatever, how they got him um how Daniel Gafford needs to play more since they acquired Daniel Gafford. Today is weird. He plays twenty minutes, he's plus fourteen you know, 12.6 boards opposed to Lynn, who was minus 16. And Lynn was not very good to me. When I watched him play, he was just overmatched doing everything. You know, Gafford yeah. is aggressive attacking the rim. So I'm interested to see how the, you know, the adjustments Scott Brooks makes. As yeah, part I, think, of the I, center I, think rotation. I think with Lynn, Brooks was thinking, you know, space out Embiid, uh, a, a five who could hit some threes and try to bring Embiid away from the rim. But um, it, it wasn't working. Really, <laughs> obviously, so you might have to change that up and get more physical in that front court. Absolutely. Um, like later two games today, two doozies, man, two doozies. First one, Hawks and Knicks. This game was yes. special. special. Ah, man, fun one, fun one, special. fun one. Uh, Trey Young was the goods, everything you wanted more. Thirty-two, ten, and seven. Game winning floater. Uh, the game was back and forth from jump. Hawks jumped out early. Knicks fought back. It was back and forth. Knicks went ahead late. Hawks made some plays down the stretch. Got some extremely timely shooting. 
from uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari. Gallinari had one three, but it was huge. Bogdanovich hit four. John Collins hit two. Uh, on the Knicks side, you got a real rough game from Julius Randle, but R.J. Barrett was solid for you. Um, Derrick Rose was solid. Quickly was solid. Burks, 27 off the bench, 20 in the fourth quarter when it got tough. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a long series, man. It's going to be a real long series. I'm interested in this one. Um, Randall's obviously got to be better for the Knicks to, to win. 6 to 23 is, is not going to cut it from an efficiency standpoint. But Trey Young, man, um, after the after the Nash incident, <laughs> went into the take four minute, but definitely bounced back in a big way. And uh, shout out Nate McMillan, too, man, special. So, what do you think about this series going forward? Man, I said whoever wins the pace battle is probably going to win the series, but I just have to shout out the Hawks because they got put in a, in a slower pace type of game um, after starting off fast. The the Knicks went started making a grind type of game, and the Hawks came and bowed with it. Shout out Trey Young. I mean, shoot, I mean, he's trying to have himself a series. I mean, how about that um, 2000 and uh, what is it? What's the draft? 2018 draft? Yeah, yeah. Man, Luca, Aiden, and Trey Young, man. What what a, <laughs> what a playoffs those guys are having right now, man. Or a good start to it, at least, just dominating their games against great comp. I mean, DeAndre dominates AD, and then Luka dominates Kawhi, and then you have Trey Young dominates top three defense in the NBA. I mean, these are, ooh, man, the league. The league got a lot to look forward to. Great hands. Great hands. Great, great game by Trey Young. And that was a, I mean, that was a, that was a, that was a move at the end of the game. I mean, you talk about waved off the screen, broke down the, the double team off the dribble, went to the floater. Like, <laughs> man, there's nothing you can say. That's a real bucket. Man, if Draymond makes that, Draymond does that, the Warriors are playing right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in the play, this is, that's playoff basketball, man. Like, right. these, these, these moves, these shots that guys are, that, you know, analytics or some guys will say don't take in the playoffs, man. You got to take what they give you and you got to get the bucket however you can get it, man. That's how it is. You got that tween, the tween game. The tween game is what wins it, man. See it all the time. Yeah, and to that point, you know, I put that little tweet with the Scooby Doo Jeff up there about how the Clippers in Utah—they both, you know, took forty threes and they were historic, historically shooting the ball all season. And then the game, one, game one of their playoff series, uh, it just didn't work out that way. Um, it's only one game; sample size is small. Right. How do you feel about those teams who are heavily reliant on a three ball and then playing in this? In this playoff scenario, playoff situation, right before we get to Utah, real quick, what do you, how do you, what was your thought? Is your thought about that in general? Well, I mean, I think like somebody said, the Warriors, I think, fooled a lot of people with how they with how they play. First of all, I think people misjudge how the Warriors. Right, their volume was never high. Their volume was always their volume, their volume of threes were never high. Like people saw Curry and Clay take a lot of threes and thought, well, they like to shoot threes. No, those two like to shoot threes. Everybody else was getting it at the rim or getting it in between because that was what was open because everybody else was so scared to death of Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry. So everyone else had easier twos. And, you know, in the mid range, like Sean Livingston had or at, at the rim, where like, um, like Draymond had, Draymond would have free rim runs with him in the bigs. You know, Spates would have uh, free, uh, you know, mid range sh- shots. 
you know, like the Curry and Clay took the bulk of the threes, but outside of them, other guys weren't getting up threes like that. Like, so their volume was never high because the whole team's volume wasn't high. It was super concentrated on Curry and Clay Thompson shooting the threes. So that fooled people into thinking, well, because they shoot teams out the gym because they have these generational two greatest shooters of all time, well, we need to be all shooting threes then and making that primary attack because it's more efficient analytic-wise, right? Well, you get to the playoffs, and here's the problem. In the playoffs, like – like Lewis said, your first option gets taken away. So teams are going to say, we're going to run you off the three-point line. But here's another thing. Teams are also playing at 110% because playoffs. Exactly. Exactly the intensity. You're running off the line, but you're not getting an easy rim run like you would have in the regular season. The rotations are on point. That guy who would not rotate in the regular season is rotating in the (laughs) playoffs. So he's going to be at that rim. So that rim, that that layup that you would have had in in February is not there. Come May, so now you have to hit that shot at the free throw line because that's what's open. Everything else is taken away, and that's where teams that don't incorporate that into their game get messed up. Yep. Because if you don't if you don't have that. Or if you don't have the post up players or the guys who can you can dump it down to that's gonna suck teams in to open up the threes or the you know what I'm saying or the generational driving talent like LeBron who's gonna be able to get off the first step and, and suck teams in to open up your threes. If you don't have those type of guys, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for you, man. It's gonna be tough. That is a great segue because the final game we're looking at is. The Grizzlies and Jazz. And, that, and, and the Jazz is exactly the team I was thinking about when I just ran on this rant. Right, right. and it was just – it was rough. I mean, um, Bogdanovich ended up going crazy in the fourth quarter, he like did. getting a bunch of contested shots. But the theme of the game was they just could not generate great looks. And a lot of that is I think the big argument has always been about who's more important, uh, Rudy or Donovan. My thing was – uh, my conclusion ultimately was during the season, probably Gobert because of what he does defensively night to night. But in the playoffs, probably Donovan Mitchell because of where the defense is, and you need guys who are going to be able to, you know, score or generate looks against a stacked set defense that's locked in. So I think that's where Donovan becomes a little more important. And you could tell they missed it. They just didn't have the scoring pop. And speaking of that in-between game, uh, job was special down the stretch. Man. The, the, off the pinker one, those, that little baby floater or getting to the rim. He had the Utah go, – they fouled go about, Gobert out early, but I think it was Favors. The way he had Favors at his – on a puppet strings coming off that pick and roll and just getting whatever look he wanted down the stretch, that was special. I mean, the, the boy is 20. <laughs> he did that on the road, first playoff game. Um Originally, I, I did not think Utah – I thought Utah was going to survive this series without Mitchell. I'm not so sure now. Uh, what about you? Yeah, man, I mean, ooh, Ja is, has a veteran feel for the game, man. He's not – he's hardly rattled. Um, even when he makes a mistake, he, he makes it up with a better decision. Uh, Dylan Brooks, his 
irrational confidence. Man, I was just gonna say that he was he had he had thirty one. So, he was big early. Somebody said it's about irrational confidence. Dylan Burks versus Jordan Clarkson. Well, it looks like Dylan Burks' variety actually works in the playoffs because I've yet to see Jordan Clarkson's irrational confidence show up well, in the playoffs. You, you no, know, you know what the thing is with Brooks. I think you deal with some of that because he's such a great defender. So you deal with that. Clarkson's not so much. It hurts him more because he's not a good defender. And, but. and I and I think that's probably why uh, Brooks, it, you know, is able to get himself going. I think because he's yep, taking yep, yep. both ends, he's not he's not taking himself out mentally in the game. He's always engaged, and I, and I feel like that's probably why he's more prone to score because he's mentally more engaged. If Clarkson's not scoring, he's not I mean, he's not going to be defending. So you know what I mean? He's probably you're probably not gonna want him out there. He probably knows this too. So he's like, if he can't score, he's probably like, man, worried about whether he's gonna stay on the court or not. Like with Dylan, but Dylan Bricks, he's like, he knows he's valuable to the team on both ends of the floor. So he's gonna play like that in his confidence. It's gonna show with the way he approaches the game. Yeah. So we agree. Uh, Utah needs Mitchell to play next game, right? <laughs> Look, Mitch, they need they need his scoring, man, because, look, Valanciunas was getting whatever he wanted down there in that paint, uh, stick, getting Gobert into foul trouble. Uh, Memphis has a lot of depth. Ooh, man. <laughs> I, I Look, you're, you're seeing why I thought the Warriors would win the series, right? With yeah, I, yeah I, I was just going to say that. You can see that. You can see the especially with Mitch not out there. Yeah, I, I – for the for the the Grizzlies look good too, and um, oof, man, if Josh if Josh finds a game where his jumper is on too, that could be another game taken too, and all. So, man, man, nah, man, it's it's, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, man. They they definitely need Mitchell score. I think Bohan, uh, Bogdanovich had a was talking to me. I I just saw he made a, a statement about. That he, they need Mitchell, and that he don't know what what the male team and Mitchell's uh, situation was, and why the last minute switch switch up on that. You got asked. He said to ask D. Mitch. So I don't know what's going on there. But uh, he, he, the, the, the reports where he tried to play, and the Jazz said no. Yeah, so that, that was the initial report. So I don't know if if, if Bogdanovich is upset with the with the medical staff because he knows that this is the offs, but it's that time, man. T- guys are antsy. Teams are antsy. They know they know what it is, man. They they know you can't just be throwing games like this, man. LeBron's probably like the only guy who's comfortable throwing away at game one, but most other teams, most other players, they're not trying to throw games away, man. That's just not the mentality. Whew. These playoffs is here, man. Uh, do me a favor. Hit follow and subscribe on the pod. Uh, rate. Rate, give us feedback, follow It's Kingsboro on Twitter, follow myself, JJ Maples55 underscore MST. Uh, we will be back midweek breaking down some more uh, playoff action. Actually, and, and be, be sure to tap in with us on the spaces too, man. That was, I think we had over 600 uh, people in there today. Kings don't get that Wi Fi settled. And tap in next time. Yeah, I, I, I was I was in as a speaker, and then my stuff cut off, and then, you, and then it wouldn't let me add, bro. I was like, especially when Dre was getting in there talking that nonsense, bro. I was like, man, nobody checking this nigga right now. I was, about to, I was trying to get him on that, but yeah, I'll definitely be trying to be on that in that next space. Get my make sure my internet works. Give us up, man. Make sure y'all tap in with us, man. Appreciate y'all. We will be back with a midweek episode, like I said again, breaking down what happened in the playoffs. We appreciate y'all, and we are out of here. Peace out.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.